three things to consider and the lesson will be yours. The first thing is this, we should love our leaders. Amen? God set it up that way. This isn't something that man set up. This is the way that the Lord set it up for each congregation to have leaders. And, and I want to say this. I'm not a cook, okay? I can't cook. I may be able to throw some bacon. And I, I mean, the, the people at the, the breakfast, the youth breakfast, they can ask them. They know that I'm not that good at cooking. Um, but I'll try. I mean, if you need me to fill in, I'll fill in, but I'm, I'm really not that good of a cook. And really, if you take it even further, if you give me some ingredients to build something to make, it's going to be a disaster. It's not going to work out. I'll put too much salt in it. I won't have enough pepper. The flour is going to be, I'm just not that guy. But you know, when I think about Paul, Uh, In 2 Corinthians, he talks about he wasn't really good in speech. He wasn't a great speaker. But you know what he said he was good at? He was good with knowledge. And brethren, here's the deal. I may not be a good cook. I may not be a great speaker. But what I'm about to speak to you from the word of God is perfect. It's just the right thing. I want to give you If you will let me, I want to give you some spiritual ingredients. I want to put together some spiritual ingredients and I want you to see when these things get put together, what happens and what you get is a thriving church. And the first thing is right here. A key ingredient for a thriving church is when the congregation recognizes its leaders. Now, Paul isn't talking about leaders who are leading however they feel is right. No, 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 no. He's talking about the ones who are leading as God wants them to lead. Amen. Paul says, he actually says this, to esteem them very very highly in love for their work's sake. To hold them in high esteem. Now, why is that? Look at the first thing that Paul says in verse 12. He says, we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you. Think about this verse in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 2 and 4. Peter talking to the elders. He says, elders, shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers. But, but look what he says. He says, don't serve uh, these, this flock by compulsion. Don't, don't serve this flock because you have to or you're forced to, but do it willingly. And then he says, don't do it for dishonest gain either. Do it eagerly. So what we see from this verse, just right off the bat, as Peter's talking about these these shepherds, these elders that are leading this flock who are laboring among us, he says that they need to be willing and eager. See, and then it says to not be lords over those who are entrusted to you. But here's the key, to be examples to the flock. Why do we have qualifications for elders? Why do we have these things that they need to meet before they can be a leader of the congregation? So they can be an example. 
Think about this. Uh, the last part of it says, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Elders have a very important job. They are the ones who labor among us. They are the ones who help us get where we need to be. And we in turn should appreciate that. Amen. Think about this. He also says this. Uh, we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord. In Acts chapter 20, Paul talking to the Ephesian elders says, I'm never going to see you guys again. I'm going back home and this will be the last time that I get to see you. But I, I want to tell you something. He tells these elders this. Therefore, take heed to yourselves. And to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. What a responsibility these leaders have for us right here at Fountainhead. But no wonder through inspiration, the Hebrew writer says this, that we must obey those who rule over you to be submissive. For they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. See, it's a two-way street. Elders doing what elders should do and the sheep doing what sheep should do. And when it comes together and it does exactly like it's supposed to do, verse 13 becomes powerful. It says, and to esteem them highly in love for their work's sake, be at peace among yourselves. So we see that uh, Paul is saying that we need to recognize those who labor amongst us and, and we need to recognize that they're over us in the Lord. But we also see this and admonish you. The word admonish means to warn or to put into your mind or to give you caution. Hey, caution, think about this. I want you to realize this. You think about uh, in the qualifications for an elder, Titus chapter one, verse nine. It says, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convict those who contradict. What a responsibility for our elders. But when both the leaders of the congregation and the congregation is in sync together, brethren, peace happens. When the leaders are leading as God wants them to lead, then what we do automatically or what we should do is hold them in this esteem very highly in love. See, and we want to help them. We want to encourage them. We want to be there for them. And then peace comes. This is the way that the Lord wants his church to work. And, and as we, his children, Obey his word. We should be excited to obey these commands. Am I right? Whether we're a shepherd or whether we're a sheep, we should be excited to do our part 
to make peace because that's when the church thrives. Brethren, I want to be a part of a thriving church. How about you? I want to be a part of something that's growing. I want to be a part of something that's growing vigorously. I want to be a part of something that is changing lives. Paul, in his exit out of this letter, he tells these brethren that they need to make sure that they hold in high esteem those who are over them. The second thing to consider is this. In order to have a thriving church, we need to love our leaders. But secondly, we need to stay focused on each other. Read with me, if you will, verses 14 and 15. I'm going to tell you what, brethren. I'm excited about this lesson. You see them leaves right there? When I saw them leaves from my PowerPoint, I got excited because I love plants. I love to water plants and I love to see them grow and I love to see things happen to plants. You know, I go out there and study them and say, oh yeah, a little bit of growth. You can see downstairs, I got two plants down there that are like my kids. Every Wednesday, they getting watered and looked at. I mean, I made Mike Pearson make a stand for one of them because I love that plant so much. Everything in my office now is, I want to add another plant. It's going to be like a jungle when you walk in there pretty soon. The vines growing everywhere. But if we want to have a congregation that is thriving, if we want to have a congregation that's flourishing, these are some key ingredients that we can use. See, it's not just something that I'm trying to tell you that maybe you can apply to your life. No, all of these ingredients that I'm about to whip up in this big old bowl for us to look at, when it comes out, you can be the cake with the icing. You can be that loaf of bread when it comes out of the oven. Think about this, verse 14, he says, Now we exhort you, brethren... Warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good both for yourselves and for all. Warn the unruly. Interesting Greek word right here. It means deviating or leaving. This is a big word for me the prescribed order or rule. I mean, in school, if I heard that definition, I'd have been like, what? Leaving or deviating the prescribed order or rule. This Greek word actually in Greek society at the time that this word was being used it meant, it was a nickname for those who wouldn't show up for work. That was your nickname, this Greek word. I can't pronounce a Greek word, I'm not even going to try. But that Greek word was used for those who would not show up for work. Now, think about this. 
When we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing, let's just say, for instance, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Maybe I've got some sin in my life. Maybe I'm doing things that I'm, I'm not really supposed to be a part of, right? And one of my brothers or one of my sisters comes to me and says, hey, you all right? How you doing? Is everything going on and good in your life? I noticed that some things are happening. Is everything okay? Are you struggling? Is there anything that I can do for you? Can I pray with you? Can I help strengthen you in any way? How do we normally react to that? Even though we're in the wrong, how do we normally react to that? Let's just be real about it. Can we? We get mad, don't we? I can't believe somebody would come and say that to me. You want to know what Paul says immediately? He says that we need to warn those who are unruly. Why do we warn people? Why do we warn people, brethren? Because we care about their soul, don't we? I don't want to be the right judge and I don't want everybody to look at me and say, oh man, you are so righteous, man. No, I want to care about your soul because I know if it ain't right, then you may not be here and you may have to stand in front of the Lord and it may not be the outcome. No, I care about you. I want to be there for you. I want to pull you out of this. I want to be there when you're down. I want to be there when you're struggling. I want to be there when you're thinking about checking out. If you're here today and you're going through the motions, if you're here today and you're thinking about checking out, stop. Stop. What you're doing is worth it. What you're doing is going to pay off. What you're doing is going to change people's lives because it already is. If you're thinking about checking out, if you've checked the box today and you really could care less what Matt says, except for when he says, I'm about to be done. Just remember this. God loves you and he cares for you. And he wants you to be a part of something that will change this world and this community. Are you in? Be in. Paul says, warn the unruly. And then he says this, comfort the faint hearted. Think about this. Are we a comfort? You know, when I get into bed, I want a comfortable bed. How about you? I want a bed where I can lay down and just be like, oh, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Not only do I have a comfortable bed, but I got a comfortable pillow and I got a comfortable blanket. I can't sleep with a blanket. I shouldn't even have said that. I cannot sleep with a blanket or I am not comfortable, right? But you know what comfortable means, brethren. Now, here's the question. Are we a comfort to those who are little in spirit. Have you ever been little in spirit? Have you ever had doubts? Have you ever had struggles? Are we looking for the opportunity to be a comfort to them? See, you want to know what Christianity is? Christianity is an everyday thing. 
Christianity is an all-the-time thing. When I'm worried about people, when I'm concerned about them, when I'm trying to check on them, when I'm trying to be there for them, you know what? I appreciate people checking on me. And you know what? Here's the deal. If just one person checks on me, that's good enough. But think about if all of us do it. Think about if we all do it as a group. I've used this example before, and this is real stuff. I've used it before, and it's, it's in the negative, but I'm telling you, when I lived in California, these kids didn't have anything. They didn't have a mom. They didn't have a dad. They didn't have anybody that cared for them. But you know who did care for them? The gangs. They accepted them in. They allowed them to be part of something. They told them, take pride in this crew, man. Because if you take pride in this crew, we'll take care of you. And they did. On the negative. Brethren, on the positive, God has set up something for us that can give us so much comfort, so much happiness, so much joy. But what do we do? We become numb to it. We create agendas. We have attitude towards people. We hold things against others and we hold grudges and we have all of these things. Brethren, this world is passing away. It's going to be gone. It's going to be burned up. How much do we care for each other? How much do we care about this world? How much do we care about it? You know what Satan wants us to do? He wants us to quit thinking about it. He wants you to think about yourself and take care of only your stuff. Jesus says, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today. And not only am I coming to your house, I'm going to come to whoever wants to be saved. My mind is focused on changing people's lives. How about us right here in our group, right here in this congregation? Am I saying that we're not doing it? Absolutely not. But again, we've seen this in 1 Thessalonians. He said, if you're doing a great job, increase more and more. Get better. Comfort the faint-hearted. Uphold the weak. Are we upholding the ones who are weak in strength, both physically and spiritually? And here's another one, to be patient. <laughs> and he doesn't just say be patient. He says be patient with all. How is our long suffering going towards others, brethren? How's our long-suffering kids going with our parents? Parents, how's our long-suffering going against with our kids? Are we patient? And I like this one. Verse 15, it says, See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone. Brethren, let's not retaliate. 
When somebody renders evil towards us, are we ready to just give it back immediately? As fast as we can? He finishes that thought off by saying, always pursue what is good, both for yourselves and for all. Are we pursuing what is good? What do we want with our lives? Do we want good things or bad things? When we decide to stay focused on each other the right way, we add ingredients that will make a church thrive, amen? And people will see it. And people will feel it. What else? Love those who are our leaders. To make sure that we're looking out for each other and loving each other. But what else? Having the right attitude. This is where I want to be at as we get ready to finish this up. Look at what the Bible says, verse 16 through 22. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. You want to know what we see in these verses? We see the virtues of a new man. You know that new man that we're supposed to be? When you put off the old man and you become this new man, these are the virtues of the new man. When we put off that old man, this is what we put on, an attitude of rejoicing. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice Brethren, we should be the happiest people alive. Am I right about it? I don't know if you heard this. I don't know if you've ever heard this before. But if you are a Christian, guess what you are? You are a child of God. A child of God. We should be the happiest people. We should be rejoicing. And no, you want to know why the Jews had that attitude? Because they knew that they were God's people. Am I right? Now, I'm not saying that we fall into the same attitude as these, as these Jews. But what I am saying is they understood whose children they were. And brethren, that's what we are. He says, rejoice always. And then he says this. He says, pray without ceasing. Wait a minute. I got to pray all the time. Like there can't be a moment when I'm not praying. Come on, Matt. Really? Brethren, we should always be ready. We should always be looking forward to talking to the Lord. Am I right? Do we look forward to talking to the Lord or do we only talk to him when we're ready to complain? Lord, I can't believe this. I mean, really? 
I can't believe that all this stuff is happening to me. I mean, come on, Lord, I love you and I know that you love me, but I mean, really, I got this seven uh, page list that I need to give you and you ain't answered one of these prayers. Or do we say, Lord, you know what? I love you so much and I'm so thankful for who you are. I'm so thankful that you sent your son. I'm so thankful that you made a way for me to be your child. I'm so thankful that you are the one that has given me grace and mercy when I fall short and I have a bad attitude. I'm so thankful for Jesus because the next thing that he says is, in everything give thanks. Did you hear it? Did you hear it, brethren? Because Paul says that this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Then verse 19 says this, don't quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, test all things, hold fast what is good, abstain from every form of evil. How do we quench the spirit? You wanna know how we quench the spirit? By not letting these qualities shine out of our lives. The Greek word for quench means to put the fire out. Y'all remember the Vacation Bible School song, right? This little Christian light. I'm going to let it shine. I'm going to let it shine. I'm going to let it shine. And what am I not going to do? I'm not going to let Satan it out. Have we quenched the spirit in our lives? What about this one? He says, do not despise prophecies. I want to give you two prophecies real quick. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Paul says that one day Jesus is going to return. Do we believe that? Paul says to comfort each other with that prophecy. And here's another prophecy that I want to say. One day we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ and we'll be judged according to our deeds. Two prophecies. You want to know if we really believe these? If we really don't despise these, then what are we going to do? We're going to go tell as many people as we can about them. Don't let the word be something that you despise. And then he says, test all things. Would God be pleased if I was doing this? Simple as that. And then again, he says, abstain from every form of evil. Verse 22. I want you to think about this. When we think about our lives, when we think about the things that we're a part of, when we think about the things that we're doing from day to day, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know the things that are happening. I don't know the attitudes that you have towards others. I don't know the way that you speak to people when you're outside of here. I don't know those things, but you do. Is there a fire about you? Is there a zeal about you? Is there something different about you? Are you the one who walks with a pep in your step? 
Are you the one that says, you know what, this may be tough right now, but we're going to get through this because God is that good? Are we those type of people? When these qualities, when these virtues are what we live then the church will thrive. I use this example and I may have used it up here too, but it's such a great one. Marshall Keeble said this, don't make your light shine, let your light shine. How about that? Don't make it shine, just let it. Because that's who you are. When these qualities, when these virtues are what we live, the church will, th will thrive and lives will be changed. And you want to know what comes out of it? When you put all of these ingredients in it, this is what comes out. This is what I want you to see, what you can look like right here. Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Look at this. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and his law he meditates day and night. Here it is. You put these ingredients together and this is what comes out. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruits in its season. Whatsoever a man shall sow, Therefore, he shall reap. You reap what you sow, amen? Now, if I'm planted by the water and I'm bringing forth fruit in its season, look at what else. The leaf also shall not wither and whatever he does shall thrive. Come on now, brethren. Come on now, church. God's given us the pattern. Hey, I'm excited to go do it. How about you? I'm ready to go change people's lives with the way that I'm living, by the things that I'm saying. How about you? I want to do it better. I want to do it greater. I want to do it mightier. But I can only do it through Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here today and you're struggling. I appreciate the visitors. Uh, so thankful for you guys being here. If I could ask one thing of all the members of the church that are here today, one thing that I ask you to do, that I plead with you to do, will you let your light shine? Will you? When nobody else is around, when things are being talked about that you shouldn't talk about, will you shine your light in a way that it affects people's lives? Please. Maybe you're here today and you're struggling with that. Maybe you need prayers, but maybe you're here today and you need to become a child of God. It's the greatest family ever. You do it by believing who Jesus is. You do it by repenting of your sins. You do it by confessing his name, uh, believing that he is the son of God, that he did come to this earth and died and resurrected on the third day. And you do it by being baptized in water for the forgiveness of your sins. And then you're raised to walk in newness of life. If you want to obey the gospel and be added to the Lord today, to the family of God, please come right now. Together we stand the same.